Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, April 26th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a measure signed into law by the governor could soon extend new parole opportunities to some Mississippi inmates. Then, Mississippi is joining four other southern states today in observing Confederate Memorial Day. But civil rights advocates are critical of a practice they say glorifies the Confederacy. Plus, members of the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus seek an investigation into the 2018 death of a Grenada man while in police custody. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Over the next three years, 1,400 offenders in Mississippi prisons may qualify for parole under a law recently signed by the governor. Nonviolent offenses, carjackings, and armed robberies are among the crimes that may qualify a person to be considered for the possibility of parole under the new Mississippi Earned Parole Eligibility Act. Chair of the Senate Corrections Committee, Democrat Juan Burnett of Heidelberg, says or tells our Desiree Frazier the bill is a step towards resolving Mississippi's prison crisis. Those individuals who uh, we spelled out in the bill, i.e. those that had those day-for-day crimes like carjack and armed robber and those type of individuals can now start earning the possibility of being paroled uh, for sentences that they normally would have to do a day-for-day crime for. Uh, also, those individuals who were given excessive long prison sentences based on uh, uh, at the time when we were stuff on crime and especially uh handling drugs, uh, now those individuals, given those long, long sentences, can now um, have their sentences reduced with the possibility of uh, of not staying much longer and walking out based on today's, based upon what we do today as far as drug sentences. So those are the immediate impacts that it will have. And of course, um, you know, there's there's no need for panic for from the general public because, uh, Again, these individuals still have to go through the parole board. So there's been things that uh, has been discussed with the parole board and uh, MDOC to 
start letting these individuals who will become eligible for for parole, uh, what they should uh, start, you know, looking forward to and things that they need to start doing in order to be able to take advantage of this bill. Um, do you know uh, potentially how many offenders this could impact? Well, when we talk about just those individuals with those long drug sentences, that's that's an impact of about 300 uh, inmates like right now that, that uh, could um, very well be let go. And when we look at like from the, within the next three, within the next three years, and this is, you know, how we put the thing together, but within the next three years, we, we're probably looking at somewhere maybe around 1,400 individuals that this that this bill will impact, and it'll just keep going until we can get the numbers to where we needed to get it down to. What are you trying to get it down to? Well, we're trying to get I wish we could have it at zero and no one would be incarcerated, but, of course, we know that that's not something that's going to happen. But we're just trying to be in line with other states that um, that have done similar legislation. Um, and we're not trying to empty the prisons by no means, but we're just trying to make sure that those individuals um, – uh, that certain individuals should have an opportunity uh, to re-enter society better than they went in, and you know we're just trying to get away from this, lock them up forever, and throw away the key. That's that's also not just a burden upon the individual or their families, but the taxpayers of Mississippi. Your thoughts on the governor signing the legislation because there was concern because he did not uh, support criminal justice uh, reform bills in the past last year that this may not go through? Yeah, well, I'm just grateful that the governor did sign it. And I think the governor even tweeted out yesterday that there was uh, a great deal of work that had uh, been done by all. Uh, and even after the governor vetoed my bill last year, uh, my thing was to sit down with everybody uh, that's involved. Uh, and let's try to work together and, and try to get some legislation that we can all live with. Will we all be happy with it? No, because some want it more, some want it less. Uh, but at the end of the day, we realize that we have to do something to address um, our prison crisis in Mississippi. And this is just one step in uh, in addressing those things that need to be done. Senate Corrections Chair Juan Barnett with our Desiree Frazier. The bill is being largely celebrated by advocacy groups on both sides of the political spectrum, but some still think the bill did not do enough. Sharon Brown of the Poor People's Campaign thinks lawmakers should have done more to pass legislation that could have had a more immediate effect on the crisis. I think that the original version that was introduced that forward uh, dot us worked on specifically Alicia Jenkins would have been a much more impactful bill that would have really um, went toward the efforts to reduce our prison population by making um, persons eligible for parole. And so where do you stand on what has been done so far with this piece of legislation? Well, you know, it's still a process. It's not um, persons would still have to go before the parole board to actually be released. But, you know, it is a step in the right direction to give um, some of the people who are incarcerated a 
you know, it gives them hope and the opportunity to work toward becoming eligible for parole. But you said the folks that you work with, the families of the people that you work with, their loved ones won't be affected by this? It won't help them? Right, because some of the uh, language excluded um, some of the persons who are incarcerated. And so although the bill, it doesn't go, you know, as far as, I would have liked for it to go, the original bill that was introduced, but it, you know, it is a small step in the right direction to, um, for persons to gain um, access to parole. So this isn't a victory to you? No, it's not, because I, I feel like the legislators could have done more to uh, affect our prison crisis that we are currently in now. What will you be advocating for in the future? Um, We're looking at advocating for the restoration of persons who have been disenfranchised. Meaning? So currently there are 22 disenfranchising crimes that prevent ones who have been incarcerated from voting. And so we would like to amend um, a section in the Mississippi Constitution that automatically restores their voting rights upon being released from confinement, regardless to if they have fines or not. And so someone who uh, offends serves their prison sentence is released, should be Mm -hmm. able to vote. That's right. All right, Sharon Brown, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and, and share your concerns and your thoughts. Okay, you're welcome. Crimes like sexual offenses, drug and human trafficking, and murders do not qualify for parole under the new Parole Eligibility Act. It takes effect July 1st. Coming up today is an official state holiday. One civil rights advocate or civil rights advocates say glorifies the Confederacy. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi is joining four other southern states today in observing Confederate Memorial Day. State government offices are closed here and in Alabama. Governor Tate Reeves has also declared April as Confederate Heritage Month. As MPB's Kobe Vance reports, civil rights advocates are asking the governor to rescind his declaration that honors an ideology glorifying the Confederacy. The American Civil War ended more than 150 years ago when the Confederate Army surrendered to Union forces. But many southern states, like Mississippi, still commemorate those who died fighting for secession to preserve slavery and states' rights. 
Cherry Bailey is a member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. The Alabama native says the holiday celebrates his heritage and Confederate soldiers. The uh, Confederate veteran is just as much a, a veteran as any other American. But the thing that strikes my heart more than anything else is what the Confederate veterans did when the war was over with. They returned to a homeland that was devastated. They had to rebuild it, especially given the devastation and the defeat. A Confederate Memorial Day ceremony is held every year in Biloxi at Beauvoir, the home of Confederate President Jefferson Davis. Last year, the ceremony was streamed on Facebook as Bailey talked about the period when the war ended. Sadly, our ancestors lived under the the vindictive rule of Reconstruction from 1865 to 1877. By 1877, they had begun to reclaim their place in society. During the Reconstruction era, slavery was abolished, black Americans gained the right to vote, and held public office. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves signed a proclamation again this year, declaring April as Confederate Heritage Month, but it was not announced publicly. In an email from Reeves' press secretary, she says, For the last 30 years, five Mississippi governors, Republicans and Democrats alike, have signed a proclamation recognizing the state holiday and identifying April as Confederate Heritage Month. The statement goes on to say, Governor Reeves signed the proclamation because he believes we can all learn from our history. The proclamation, which is viewed as divisive and insensitive, has drawn public outcry from across the nation. Members of the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus are calling on the governor to rescind it. Senator Angela Turner Ford of West Point chairs the caucus. The state does not need to be in the practice of perpetuating these cycles. We need courage. We need people to take a stand, and we also need individuals to be compassionate and considerate of one another. While supporters of the Confederacy minimize slavery as a central cause of the Civil War, history professor Robert Luckett of Jackson State University says that's false. He says that preservation of slavery was specifically written in the Articles of Secession. Luckett says the phrase heritage is often used to describe a historically inaccurate version of that period. A heritage that is harmful, inherently harmful, and destructive um, for more than significant part part, um, of our population here in Mississippi to this day. And and it's frankly uh, a reflection of entirely that white supremacist power structure that gets created in 1890 and over the next 100 years, 130 years up to today. Terry Bailey with the Sons of Confederate Veterans disputes the idea that Confederate holidays are symbolic of white supremacy. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of Confederate soldiers who never returned home. And they put a monument up to honor those who had fought and died and had never come home. So I don't think that ought to be down. I think we need to just see if we can't get back to having a serious conversation about respecting each other's heritage and culture. Senator Angela Turner Ford says it's time to stop glorifying Confederate symbols. She says they're a constant reminder of the mistreatment of black people. At some point, you just have to recognize that you're dealing in offense. You're hurting people. People have hurt. And there's no way to really right those wrongs. The only thing that you really can do is agree that it's it's just best to leave some things in the past and try to move forward. Last year, Mississippians overwhelmingly voted to adopt a new state flag without a Confederate battle emblem. Advocates say this could be a sign that more people are ready to move away from the South's Confederate past and towards a future of racial healing. Kobe Vance, MPB News. 
Coming up, members of the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus seek an investigation into the 2018 death of a Grenada man while in police custody. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Members of the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus are calling on the Department of Justice to include the 2018 death of a Grenada man in their review of policing practices. Attorney General Merrick Garland has stated his office will be looking into whether or not police have been following a 1995 DOJ advisory against placing detainees face down while in police custody. In November of 2018, Robert Loggins was arrested and tased eight times before being brought to the Grenada police station, where officers piled on him face down for at least three minutes. Caucus member Senator John Horn says video surveillance warrants investigation in the actions of Grenada police officers. To our knowledge, no adjustments were made by the Grenada Police Department after the, the advisory came out some 25 years ago to incorporate uh, a policy that would would prohibit uh, the placing of, of, of detainees on their stomachs while they were in handcuffs. The second thing is, is that the, uh, there has been some video that has surfaced uh, where during part of, of the detainment, it appears that officers piled on top of Mr. Loggins, and it appears that at least one officer had his knee either on Mr. Loggins' neck or his head for about three and a half minutes. And after that in, in, engagement, Mr. Loggins was no longer breathing, so we think that it's worthy of an investigation. And what does his death say about the state of policing in Mississippi and across the country, specifically in Mississippi, because we're seeing uh, cases of people feeling like their rights have been abused, people being killed, detained, fearing for their lives? Well, I, I think uh, with the advent of body cameras and um, uh, uh, cameras on phones, uh, what is happening is more of this information with, with visual evidence is coming out uh, that there's prob- a lot of persons of color have felt for years that there was a, a, a mistreatment going on uh, of, of blacks and other persons of color at the hands of police. And now more and more physical and visual evidence is coming out that uh, supports that idea. So, uh, you know, I think what it means is that we got to have more accountability on the part of police forces. And, and if you get a uh, an advisory that comes from the U.S. Department of Justice saying, hey, you shouldn't do this, then that needs to be incorporated into the policies and procedures of the, um, that law enforcement entity. In this, in the case of, of uh, the 1995 circular that was put out by the, the Department of Justice, it appears that the Grenada Police Department never incorporated that as a 
a standard practice. One of the things that occurs in uh, his case, Logan's case, and Floyd's case, in Floyd's case, uh, there was drugs in his system. It is reported that Logan's may have had drugs in his system, which arguably might make someone more prone to asphyxiation. Does that bring in another set of facts that really muddies the water on these incidents? Well, anytime uh, someone ha- has Ill- Ill- illegal or illicit drugs in their system, it, it clouds the issue. Uh, according to the toxicology report um, and the cause of death for Mr. Loggins, uh, it, it was uh, methamphetamine toxicity. Uh, but in light of this new video, which has surfaced, uh, we think that there may be some other contributing factors like the uh, piling on to him uh, by the officers while he was in uh, a prone position on his stomach and was handcuffed. Uh, and and uh, we think that, that especially if indeed an officer, one of the officers uh, was kneeling on his neck or on, on his head, uh, that might have been a, a more uh, important contributing factor. Would it be uh, an issue of training in your estimation? I think improper training of police officers lies at the very heart of this issue. Uh, we're not saying that, that folks intended to kill this gentleman, uh, but uh, because of the, uh, the the tactics that they use, uh, we're thinking that there may their actions may have been a major contributing factor to his death. Is it acceptable that a case like this has been relatively unknown and kept quiet for this time? Well, it shouldn't be acceptable, but the fact of the matter is is that it's better late than never. Uh, what has given this case some uh, new legs, if if you will, is the fact that the video has been uncovered. Uh, for, for the longest, um, uh, the folks who, who did the initial investigations uh, uh, were looking at photographs uh, of of the, the deceased in terms of de- determining a cause of death. And uh, the fact that the, the video has been unearthed uh, I, I think it's given the case um, a, a new breath of life and, and that it will uh, hopefully have some bearing on how, how we proceed from here because you, you've got the, the actual uh, video of, of much of what transpired. Uh, and uh, it could be that, that once someone looks at the video and sees these folks, uh, these officers physically piling on top of, of, of an individual who's handcuffed, and possibly uh, leaning on his neck or kneeling on his neck or, or his head, uh, then, then the idea of um, methamphetamine toxicity as a cause of death might be changed. Senator John Horn of Jackson, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us about this serious issue. Thank you, Desiree. Horn and the caucus are also requesting Mississippi's Commissioner of Public Safety look at the case. Logan's wife is suing those involved, accusing them of wrongful death. Attorney Jacob Jordan, who is representing the family, filed suit last year using the now public video. The video is part of our lawsuit. We filed it uh, with the initial filing. Um, and so the, the video, of course, is useful in proving the case, uh, but it does, it, does not cho- it does not change the filing uh, of the original lawsuit. You've had that video since you filed in 2020? Yes, ma'am. Uh, the, the video has been available to us, uh, and that's why we filed it at the same time that we filed the lawsuit. 
what is the family of Robert Logan seeking? What what will help put this to rest, if anything? Well, the, well, the family wants justice for Robert Loggins, uh, and they, they want to help ensure that this never happens again. Um, you know, these in-custody deaths have, have come to represent uh, something of a stain uh, in the fabric of, a, of this country that we love and hold dear. And, and so this family wants to help blot that out, uh, specifically uh, for justice for Robert Loggins. And we are seeking every remedy available to the family through uh, formal litigation. Was the family looking for answers right from the beginning? Did they believe that Robert Loggins had been killed while in custody? The family has been the only one seeking justice for the last two years, and we are pleased that our lawsuit has prompted uh, interest from the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus, uh, who has called for further investigation, and uh, the family has has felt aggrieved uh, since the beginning. Have you heard of interest from the U.S. Attorney General that he may be interested in pursuing criminal charges or at least investigating the facts of the case? I have not heard. Do you think that because of what happened with George Floyd and the outcome of that trial, that that may help this case? What impact that may have on our case uh, I'm really not sure because I, uh, at the end of the day, I have a case I have to prove. I'm ready to prove it, and I'm seeking justice for Robert Loggins at this juncture. Jacob Jordan is representing the Robert Loggins family, and he is with Tannehill, Carmine, and McKinsey. And I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.